Welcome in, everybody. Uh, Matt DeMarinas here from White and Blue Review, joined by Johnny Atala from the Omaha World Herald, Omaha.com. Uh, we're here to break down um, Creighton's 76-61 win over Upper Iowa in their final preseason tune-up before the start of their regular season, November 9th, right? November 9th. Yeah. Um, and John, uh, as the guest always gets to do, start first. I think I'm going to ask you this time, give me something good first of all, and then we'll, because we have a mixed bag tonight, obviously, right? First yeah. first game. Speaking, I feel like team. in my head, I'm like, you know, you make a to-do list, or maybe a pros and cons list. Okay. That's kind of what I feel about this game. It's like, we can make a good list yeah. and a bad list. Yeah. Um, and honestly, if people don't like hearing us say the word, the B word, we can be like a good list and then say like a... Work in progress list. Like, there you go. You know, just to keep a positive vibe. Going. I, yeah, I you like know. that. There you go. I like that. It's still the preseason. You can be optimistic and positive. Yeah. So, And we don't really quite know what they're good and bad at yet either. So, It's know. very true. Yeah, it's so. actually kind of interesting because, you know, you kind of go in with a little bit of preconceived notions mm-hmm. about who Creighton is and what it's going to be as a team based on, you know, well, they brought in a ton of new players. And when you watch the highlights, you can see – a lot of times the highlights focus on their offensive games. Right. So you see, okay, how the, this is how this guy is going to fit in. He's going to work so well within the system. But then it gets on, on the court, and it's like it was a little different today anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe that's a sign of things to come. We'll see. But um, let's see. What's, what was good? What did I like? Yeah, give me your first, um, like. Honestly, the first thing that – there was that stretch when, when Creighton started making its push. The guy I wanted to spotlight for a second was – um, was Hawkins because it, it felt like it was, it was like a four or five possession stretch where he was like just seemed to start hunting his shot a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he he did a a handoff a dribble handoff with Alex O'Connell and O'Connell got a three. Then Hawkins hit a couple threes. There was a, there was a play a sequence where he and Trey Alexander just went on a little two man game for a second and on like uh, on a uh, on like on a wing by themselves and oh, and Trey Alexander got a three. He missed it, but it was kind of a nice interchange there. I just I, – it's like Hawkins is really versatile. And yeah. if he sort of like – if they find different ways – I mean, they set some of that stuff up with play design. But um, his ability to, first off, step out and hit a jumper is going to be huge for this team. But secondly, you know, he, he saw the post-up game. He saw a finger roll from him. Um, I just – when I look at this team, I'm like, all right, when things are going – Poorly, you know, last yes. the last couple of years, there's so many guys you could rely on to make a play right. because they'd all done it before, and they were all sort of really, I mean, just so many experiences to draw back on and confident and talented. But for this team, it's like okay, when when the droughts happen because they will, and mm-hmm. when um, when there's moments where a team's making a run, who can you rely on to make a shot? And I just thought what uh, what Hawkins did to help ignite him a little bit um, was was important, and so. He was a guy I had my eye on. I mean, you have your eye on all of them, but he was a player that I was kind of, you know, they're going to need um, those guys to, those those leaders to step up in certain moments, and I thought he he did that, at yeah. least on the offensive end. So that's not, uh, that's not my first good, but just to flesh out your point a little bit, because I do think it's a good observation, the thing that's that was noticeable during that pivotal stretch that you uh, have talked about here is I felt like once... Hawkins kind of got going a little bit. It was it was 
an example of Creighton establishing their pace in the quarter court for the first time all night, which I think is going to be important because that's kind of what they, regardless of the shot-making aspect or wherever the points are coming from, inside or outside, the pace in the quarter court is really important for what Creighton wants to do, especially with the different type of talent they have this year because they do have more downhill ability than maybe they've had in years past, especially with the younger core. Um, so I thought that was the, the DHL action, um, getting the ball moving side to side, Yeah. Uh, very few dribbling. I thought that was an example of Creighton establishing its optimal pace in the quarter court. Two, the other thing about Ryan Hawkins is – I don't know if I would classify it as the quickest release in the world. But he but keeps because it high. It, he, yes. Yeah. That's what I love. He keeps it high, so it's very hard to know if he's shot ready or not in terms of if you're closing down on him, what's his next move? Because he kind of catches it in his shooting pocket always. Yeah, his so shooting just, pocket is like at his face. Yes. And yes. you're like, wait, well, you've you got to bring it down, don't you? And right. He doesn't. I mean, yeah. He caught me off guard. Yes. He's watching I think like, he got the defense off guard at yeah. times. So, yeah, those are... The the Hawkins uh, um, bringing up Ryan Hawkins I think is important for a couple of those reasons. One, pace I thought was established in that stretch, and two, just his ability to kind of get off a shot is is unique in terms of his specific style of shooting yeah. because you don't know if he's um, looking for it or if he's trying to po- feed the post, make an extra pass because when he catches it he's kind of always in that shooting pocket. Yeah. So it's it's I thought that was very effective. The one thing, because I'm a defensive mark, uh, I'm just a mark for a good, sound, fundamental defense, and I feel like, I don't know, I think Alex O'Connell said it tonight outside the locker room, was like, with with Creighton, you kind of always know that if you do the right things on the offensive end of the floor, the system gives the opportunities to you just because of the freedom it provides. So you're talking about like spacing, ball movement. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of all the, the all the things that are kind of inherent in the style. Right. It comes with just sticking to the principles of it. The defensive end of the floor is where all the details are really important in terms of how create how good create a Creighton team can be. And if you look at years past, the best teams have certainly been um, very impactful on the end of the floor. Whether it's with shot blocking with Justin Patton or perimeter defense with Kyrie and Tyshawn Alexander. Um, I thought, you know, Upper Iowa was comfortable tonight to start the game. I thought they were getting the shots they wanted um, and kind of keeping Creighton one movement behind, like just kind of chasing the actions around. And so I thought Alex O'Connell and Trey Alexander, right before that under-eight timeout of the first half, did a really good job in terms of setting a tone of being disruptive on that end while just being sound, fundamental, nothing special. It wasn't like they were creating turnovers, live ball, runouts up and down, but they were just making things tough for Therese Williams, who got going, hit three of his first six threes, and uh, you know had Upper Iowa up six at that under eight point um, right around there. I thought Trey Alexander for a young guy and Alex O'Connell for a veteran that also isn't quite used to being the role of a stopper. Those two, I thought, set a really good tone defensively in terms of just changing the complexion of the game as it was at that point, and that's that's the one good thing that stuck out to me in terms of Creighton's ability to respond to an adverse situation in the moment, make an adjustment on the fly, and be sound with it going forward. Yeah, it was like there was a stretch there where all uh, Upper Iowa was doing was shooting threes. Yes. 
And like you said, forcing Creighton to sort of chase the action and scramble a little bit. Maybe they uh, penetrate, get the ball inside, or maybe they just skip it across the court or um, beat Creighton down in transition. Also, even after also, you, also, you noted they were playing further. They were they were shooting from further back than maybe Creighton thought they would. Yeah, I mean, they catch were, them off guard a little bit from they distance. Were shooting yep. deep shots. Uh, McDermott said that too, and he said something along the lines of, you know, they they were shooting. The, dif- the, the degree of di- difficulty yes. on some of their shots where they're coming off screens or just shooting on the move. Um, that, wh- number five, what was that, Williams? Yeah, Jerese Williams. Jerese yeah. Williams. Yep. Uh, he hit, hit a couple in transition, which I was like, you know, those are not easy. He had like a one dribble pull-up in transition, and maybe a couple of those where I was like, that's not an easy shot. But anyway, they were in rhythm, and like you said, they were confident. And so, yeah. like when when that happens, especially a team like Apariah with, with, wants to shoot those shots, shoots, yes. wants to shoot those threes, and they're a veteran group. Everyone's back; they know how they want to play. If you don't knock them off, um, out of their game, out of rhythm, then you they start seven to fourteen. So yeah, yeah you're right. I, I liked what those guys did. I, it felt like Creighton was doing a better job too of just like funneling drivers to their help. To yep. their big men, which is you know, what, inside. That's like a staple of what they try to do, right? Yeah, they figure they have all this length and physicality um, at the not only at the five spot, but also with Arthur Kaluma and with Ryan Hawkins, um, you know, in that untraditional, that hybrid forward forward spot. Yeah, and Hawkins said too that he just thought they were guarding the ball better, mm-hmm. and that probably points to O'Connell and Trey Alexander since Williams had the ball a lot. Yeah, but. Once they started guarding the ball better, it just sort of like clicked in their mind. Okay, hey, let's get up on these shooters, and you know, everyone, it was kind of a collective thing. Everyone started pushing those guys off the line a little bit, but because they, you know, I, I'd have to go up and count possessions. I don't have it, but I, they were seven to fourteen during the first twelve minutes, and then mm-hmm. during the final eight, eight minutes of the half, they were zero for five from three. Yep, and so and those looks were tough and weren't as clean as they got earlier. So yeah. Creighton obviously made some adjustments and. It starts with those two. I mean, I, I, think, I think O'Connell and Alexander, like they, they have length. They're a little bit lighter, you know. They're sure. not like the uh, – they don't have those bulky frames like a Kyrie. Yeah. But um, they got length. Mm. And, and quickness. And quickness, right. And so um, I'm interested to see how they grow in those, into that role because obviously the Alexander – Alexander's never done it before because he's new, and right. O'Connell. That's not been what he's. It hasn't been his role ever. No, any team he's been. But on. if yeah. that's if, like you look at the starting lineup, Nemhard, O'Connell, uh, Kaluma, Hawkins, Kaufrunner. Like mm. who's the guy who's gonna get the top wing yeah. score? Yeah. It's gonna be assignment. it's gonna be O'Connell more times than not. You'd think that would be yeah, especially early because uh, yeah, early right? on. Yeah. So, um, I'm eager to see how he grows. But I think the coaches are actually. Encouraged by his potential. Well, it's probably Sharif when he's healthy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. sorry, yeah, that's good call. But the, but there yeah. won't be this lineup, this, right? Exactly. This won't be the lineup. But if yeah. it, if this is the lineup, at least Coach McDermott said, what a few weeks for Reef. Yeah. So if this is the lineup for the first few games, <coughs> that'll be O'Connell. But yeah, they like what he can do defensively. Um, they've they've really been encouraging him over the off season to focus on a lot of the just the little things of the game, mm-hmm. and you know. I think at times he probably admit this that he was hunting shots a little bit last year. It was a tough role for him to come in mid year to join a team that was already sort of in the flow and had a lot of veterans that wanted to. They they'd been together for so long they wanted to accomplish a lot. And you're just like I don't want to mess it up, right? But I also want to help, and I'm confident in my game. I feel like he didn't quite find his rhythm there, but uh, and he wants to have a really good year. I think he will, um, but the coaches are kind of like, hey, just do the little things, yeah. you know. Keep it simple. 
you're you're talented enough where the little if you do the little things, everything else comes to you yeah. naturally. Right. It seems like he his attitude is in, you know it's interesting because it seems like he has taken that on. Yeah. And it might and 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 someone in his position, you know, a, a talented player out of high school who's played high level D one basketball. Um, you think, you know, it, it would be easy for a guy in his position to see a team of freshmen and say, well, it's my squad. Yeah, like, I'm going to go for 25. Yeah. Like, like I, yeah. Get, I, get, I get 15 shots, and right. you guys just, you know, you wait until I get my 15, right, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You know, he doesn't do that. Yeah. Um, hey, Dansby Swanson. Okay, Dansby with a solo to tie it up. John's a, a Braves fan, so uh, he's kind of distracted, but still giving on-point analysis at the same time, so... He's performing under pressure right now himself. Yeah, that's, that's nice. A big, that's a big shot. Um, um, but yeah, but Williams, I mean, like the the, the, I the, to the story what, of his like his game: eleven points on four of seven to start. After that, after that timeout, that thirty second timeout by Creighton, where um, Trey and um, Alex started, you know, really getting into him and running him off the line. Five points. Yeah. Uh, he was two of eleven after that. Okay. So. I mean, not only an adjustment, but a tangible one, right. where, the, where the results reflected the effort. Well, I just want to say one more thing about O'Connell, because do you remember when he, he gave us an interview when he first committed, and he <laughs> just said something along those lines of, like, there's more to my game. I want to show it. I want to kind of prove yeah. what type of player I am. And I feel like that can be good. Because I wonder what he's it's, talking about, It's right? motivational, yeah. but it also can be to your detriment sometimes if you try too hard to prove yourself. And yeah. so... I think that he's at least so far seems to have a really good balance, yeah. and his attitude is really. It seems like he's really even keel yeah. about, like he understands, um, what he what is asked of him. Yeah, and he and also he understands maybe through his own self evaluation of the situation how he'll be successful. So, I think so. Yeah, um, he had a really good night tonight though, five of seven. So again, like he didn't, you know, in nineteen minutes, fourteen point seven boards, only two turnovers, like. That's that's Didn't you, what, that's what, really solid stuff. What, it was one of those practices early where you you heard him, you overheard him after like a little short scrimmage say like, uh, "How many rebounds did I have?" That yeah. was his first question. So that's so, that's kind of you. That's yeah, a perspective I mean, into we don't always see the full picture, but those things stick out because I haven't. You don't hear often hear a player run up to one of the managers that's keeping five on five stats and go, "How many rebounds did I have?" It's usually like, "How many turnovers? Um, how many points? How many threes did assists, I hit?" Like, yeah. The fact that he asked about rebounds first and foremost kind of lets you know that he's trying to do the things that maybe aren't the uh, aren't the sexiest in the highlight reel, but Although, they help, but they help they, you win. They had some nice rebounds today. Now, they, there, now they? they you know I'm sure when they look Talk at the film, jumping top, jump top of the square, right? Yeah, yeah. they they probably won't, the coaches probably would be like, look, you're gonna have to get your body into some people. You're not gonna get yeah. those clean of rebounds in the Big East, but. Some of them did look nice. I mean, they were catching, like, Kaluma was catching those above the rim, man. He was yeah. up there. Uh, and and so. I mean, up where I was. Some a, of those rebounds were sexy, man. Yeah. They, I, 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 I'm a fan of vertic- verticality. <laughs> uh, especially when you see, like, in years past, Creighton's been getting out jumped a lot. And it's been more about the block out than the, than the vertical. Yeah, they've really had to focus in on the fundamentals because yeah. yeah. you're, you're not going to win a jumping contest. Yeah, so you figure if they can still teach the fundamentals and then also win the jumping contest. Yeah. yeah. So tonight. Now, Upper Iowa is a small team. Jorge Soler. Oh, my goodness. We started this podcast, and the Braves are on fire. Yeah. I don't know if it went back-to-back, but it's your World Series update. That's where we are in in time. The ATL is What's what's crazy is the people who are listening to this podcast already know the results of this game. That's true. Most likely. Yeah. Unless this game goes for 40 hours. Well, then they're just reliving it through you, (laughs) maybe then. Okay. Uh 
But yeah, what a, so, what a what a what a like a off season or a mid season acquisition for the Braves. They like rebuilt that whole roster basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a little bit like especially that. with like Acuna going down, you probably right. thought, yeah, we're screwed. Like, but yeah, they kind of put it together here. Um, okay, sorry, rebounding. So Upper Iowa is not the biggest team in the world. They were six seven, six eight on the front line. Yeah, so Creighton definitely had the size advantage there. To but start. again, like I can do this all day. Like I've seen smaller teams just win that battle because they're in the right spots and they're winning that positioning battle. So there's something to be said for what Creighton did tonight on the on the defensive glass. Fifty five out of sixty four. That's an eight sixty. Defense rebounding percentage. I mean, that's 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 ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, so they so they so they won the size battle, but they also, um, you know, they they, they out jumped yeah. a lot of Upper Iowa for a lot of those two. I think so, Upper Iowa too was kind of like, look, we're not gonna. Yeah, we're not gonna crash the crash. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna make sure we're back yeah. in transition too. Yeah. yeah. No, that all plays a part in it too, for sure. But I think when you look at when you're looking for things that are going into that um, that good column, fifty five out of sixty four on the offensive glasses. You know, defensive that, glass. That, that goes yeah. that, on the defensive glass. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that goes into the good column most definitely. Um, maybe second here, here. Let's let's talk about pace because I think this this category will go into it. Um, something that's work in progress: turnovers. Yeah. Seventeen yeah. turnovers, probably a byproduct of not really finding that sweet spot in the pace. Right, like sometimes playing too fast, um, sometimes not making the right decisions, uh, sometimes being too loose with the ball in traffic. You know, they were kind of all – we saw a lot – or, you know, a variety of the 17 – or the turnovers were of a variety of yeah, reasons. And it, I mean, it was – a lot of it was, like, decision-making, too. Yeah. It wasn't necessary – like, sometimes you'll have turnovers where – I guess traveling sometimes is a decision. Yeah, they, tra- they travel – that's something that we've seen did. in practice. We've seen them travel quite a bit. Yeah. I don't think I saw I them travel tonight. Man, I don't think so. Yeah. But um, – It was all maybe ball security situations. Yeah, it just yeah. passes. Yeah. So – They. Uh, Coach McDermott talked a little bit about – he just sort of briefly mentioned the positioning in in the in transition. You know, right. like getting to the right spot so that you're structurally sound just from a spacing standpoint. Yeah. And it wasn't always there. Right. And I think he said at times they did rush some shots. So um, he didn't seem too discouraged by what they showed on. Is it because you think that stuff just comes with time? Like, is it about rep- – like I, I don't think he, a feel my guess is he doesn't expect other. them to be a high turnover team. I mean, he said, Eventually. hey, we got to okay. clean it up. Okay. But yeah. I, my guess is that, I mean, he, he doesn't usually have high turnover teams, first right. off, so that's right. probably part of it. But um, maybe that's, you know, speculating here, but mm-hmm. um, maybe that's a reason. But, yeah, he did, you didn't, I didn't get that sense that he was like, no. you know, we, we took bad shots. Or, you know, like, I feel like he's no, but I also, comfortable I, with where he, they're at, but. Yeah, but I also think there's going to be a concerted effort on the coaching staff's part to be really patient with this group yeah. because they're going to need to be, um, they're going to need to be like nudged along slowly, patiently. You know, taught a lot, like a lot of, a lot more talking in practice, and there will be live reps. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe I think that maybe just like a little bit of messaging on his part, saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, look, uh, we need to clean that up," but there isn't. The panic button isn't going to be in sight this year because the team is not only young, but they haven't played together, so there's not that com- – the chemistry isn't there along with the experience. So I think there's going to be a concerted effort um, on the leaders of the team and, you know, starting from the coaching staff on down to emphasize that. And honestly, when you look at their recent success, it's hard to go back and look at, look at that as the wrong path because I can remember – over and over again, press conferences from three years ago when they were just 
you know, really sloppy at the end of games, losing close games that they had won. Um, and you never really, like, saw Mac blink in those moments. And, you know, the messaging about, like, the talent and the work ethic being there foundationally so that this stuff's going to get cleaned up eventually, that that path was proven to, you know, uh, lead to success. Because yeah. that 2019-20 team, once they kind of broke through to that next level, they looked like, you know, when, when, before Marcus Zagorowski went down, they looked legitimately like second weekend, potentially Final Four good, yeah, the way they were yeah, playing. Definitely. Um, and then obviously last year's team, you know, did what? You know, they, they contended for the league title the whole way and then uh, made it to the Sweet 16. So that path has led to success. So it's yeah. hard to not see. It's just like, at least start out on that same path with being patient with the young players. Yeah, patience. Yeah. That's hard for, like. Yeah, when you want to win now. Everyone right. to be yeah. patient. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, players, coaches. Mm-hmm. And you think about that team three years ago. Like, I was wondering, oh, they're going to make – they're going to turn a corner after Gonzaga and Nebraska. You know, they got beat oh, in those, okay. th- those two games. Oh, they're going to turn a corner. Yeah. Then it's January, and they lose four in a row. Yeah. You're like, oh, wow, okay. But now they're going to turn a corner. They win a couple. You're like, oh, yeah. here it is, here it is. And then they lose four in a row again in February. Mm-hmm. So it's like – it's a very much a, like, two steps forward, two steps back, yes. three steps forward, four steps back. You know, it yeah. – it, it, it doesn't really – there's no real rhyme or reason to when it'll click. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes a full year. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how long it takes these guys. But it does seem like they're going to have that same approach where, you know, bigger picture is going to sort of frame the assessment. Yeah, because once you've already done something, you want to raise the bar. Yeah. So they've already – like, not, this group hasn't, but they, Creighton has already won a Big East title – and they've already made it to a Sweet 16. So you, so the bar now raises. Yeah. So with this, while all patience is going to be stressed um, with, with such a young core of players, as they get comfortable with each other and understand how to do things, to, you know, that how Creighton wants to do things to be successful, it's all within the framework of getting to that next level that they've already crossed now, right? Right. Um, man, I just look at Trey Alexander's line. Two guys like Trey Alexander and Keyshawn Fizel. I was so impressed with tonight. I mean, I kind of was impressed with them in preseason. Dude, Trey Alexander, his his assist to turnover ratio, I think, I think it's has been really good in, yeah, in, in preseason It translated practice. here. And today that, it looked good. You know, four nothing. I mean, I know it's Upper Iowa, but so far, like, we don't have anything to go off of in the other direction. His decision-making is translating, right? Yeah. So, like, five points, three boards, four assists, no turnovers in 16 minutes. He was plus 12, or Creighton was plus 12 with him on the floor. Then Keyshawn Fiesel, 10 points, 9 rebounds, hit a 3, mm-hmm. uh, blocked 2 shots. Altered only, a few more. Altered a few more, only yeah. committed 2 fouls in 15 minutes, and they were plus 13 with him on the floor. Like, Man, he I like that. That's, yeah. that's two really good players off the bench for Creighton. Yeah. You know, Keyshawn has the experience, the grown man physicality that he can bring in as a change of pace. Um, with some sneaky athleticism, right? You don't maybe you don't expect him to move he, he like just, he moves, but he moves I feel really like he well. Get, he covers a lot of space. Mm-hmm. Gets off the floor quickly, dude. Oh, what about that pass? He had to uh, Alex yeah. O'Connell on the cut. Yeah, that little that little back row bounce pass. Yeah, 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 that was a nice pass. Yeah, for sure. Set up a free throw opportunity for Graydon. Yeah, he didn't get an assist for that. But. No, that. Well, I mean, you're working on that. You've been, <laughs> you've been doing it for. You've been talking about it for years now. 
At least um, give him a half assist. I agree with you. I agree. I think if they hit both shots, you should get half an assist for one shot. Something. And then half for another. I agree. Why not? But then, you know, I, so I'm impressed with those two in terms of, like, because, I mean, they're probably not going to start, right? So they're going to have to be able to bring something off the bench on a nightly basis. Yeah. And Crane's so, going to need something from his bench, you know? Like, for sure. Because especially when you're talking about um, freshmen in the lineup and it's just – a, a new team that's still trying to build continuity. Like, yeah. There's going to be moments. And if your most experienced players are on the floor already. Right. With, you know, uh, Alex, Ryan, uh, both Ryans, Hawkins and Kalkbrenner. Yeah. And then when Sharif Mitchell comes back into the mix, we expect him to be in the starting group as well, right? So, yeah. yeah off the bench is going to be key on a nightly basis because you're not necessarily getting the most experienced players coming off looking to spark you. But yeah, I felt like, you know, I felt, when you look at what traded defensively tonight – and then Keyshawn, the total in terms of how productive he was in his, you know, in his fifteen minutes on the floor, I thought they got a good punch off the bench yeah. tonight. I thought that I thought that was like. I think fans encouraged. are really gonna like Trey's game. Like they're gonna like yeah. a lot of these guys. I know, but like, can we talk about that for a little well, bit? He, what do you like most about his game so far? I just think he plays under control. I think we've oh talked my, about this. The pace, right? Yeah. The yeah. the, the, the uh, it, it doesn't seem like he's getting sped up at all. Right. He just seems to be hard have, to teach that for him. Yeah, yeah. Have, has a good feel. Even the shot, he the like fadeaway jumper. I mean, clearly, that's one of his go-to shots. Yep. Like he shot it with so much confidence, you're like, okay, he's worked on that a lot. Yep. But it, I mean, he had a hand in his face. I mean, it wasn't an easy shot. It was no. a tough shot at toward the end of the first half, and then like two times down, or a couple possessions later, he hits like a pull-up three in transition. You know, so like. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm eager to just see how he go. I, like I want to see more of him going downhill and making some decisions in traffic. But <clears throat> I feel like he has a good pace about him, um, and I know the coaches have been on him a little bit. You know, playing one of the big tenets. If you've listened to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard us repeat the coaches because they they talk about it all the time is playing off two feet, the jump yeah. stops. Like yeah. when you drive in the lane, you land on two feet instead of launching off just one. Because you have so many more options, you're under control the whole time. You yeah. can you can get to, you can shot fake, you can pass fake, and it's a little bit unnatural for guys at times, especially when you're in high school and you can just kind of like jump over the defense and yeah. make a play or, or go around them with your you yeah. rise up or euro step around them or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he because he's kind of already got sort of that it seems like poise with the ball. He, if he drives in and lands on two, he can make a lot of plays. So. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I just we we've talked a little bit about him, but I like I like the pace that he plays at. I do too. It's I think it lends itself to you know, I want to be very careful that I don't get into a habit of comparing him and Ty, uh Tyshawn Alexander. But Tyshawn had that Bro, it's hard though because like well first off they both got the same name. <laughs> they got the same last name. It's fair. And they have the same a similar athletic profile uh-huh. where they've got the length. I mean, they're both like what six four ish. Sure. Um, you know, they they certainly have a different. I think their wingspans are similar too. Their wingspans are similar. Yeah. They got some length. Yeah. Um, it's just it, it, the thing is because the reason I say that is because Tyshawn had a really good assist turnover ratio, and I think it's because he always played under control. Especially his like junior year. Yes, like he never turned the ball. Yeah, over. it was like I think he had like thirteen in Vegas yeah. play, something ridiculous for someone who has the ball as much as he does. Um, but 
you know, when you look at the way Trey makes decisions and the, the speed that he plays at in terms of, like, I don't know. There's just something, like, when you look at his eyes when he gets downhill, it doesn't look like he's confused. It, you know, it looks like he knows what he's looking for. Maybe he doesn't know what he's going to do, which will come with just experience. I think he'll he'll know how to manipulate a defense into into taking away the first read intentionally so he can set something else up. But so maybe even if he doesn't know what he's doing right now as he gets downhill, he doesn't look confused or shook when he gets to that spot in the in the lane where things close off on him. He doesn't look panicky. He doesn't get loose with the dribble. He looks like he's just kind of surveying a little bit. Like, all right, I'm shut off here. I don't have any more avenue to take away. Like, I'm taking – I took all the space you're going to give me. Now i got to figure out where to go next with it. And I thought his decision-making out of that spot once once his lane was taken away was really good. Yeah. Whether it was a rise up for the shot with a couple, you know, in-and-out dribbles or whether it was just – make a smart pass out to the perimeter, you know, cut back out to the top of the key and get moving again, you know what I mean? Like, all that stuff, I felt like, looked really natural. Looked like he's been putting in some quality reps and kind of under watching film and kind of understanding, you know, what that's like in terms of his position and how it flows within the offense. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh... Well, I, I, I'd imagine, I haven't asked this, him of this, him this question, but I imagine in high school he had the ball in his hands a lot. He, he just looked yeah, so comfortable right. with it. Even though he's not necessarily a traditional point guard, yeah. he's more of the wing sort of scorer, but mm-hmm. um, he looks like he's essential. Like, he has a lot of those traits. Sure. Which is kind of typical of the wing players at Creighton. Yep. Lands. yep for sure. A lot of them. Mitch and, and Ty were both great decision makers yeah. on the wing. Yep. 100%. They, they, that's part of... A lot of times you look out on the floor, you're like, man... I, there's like three guys who could play point if you needed to. I mean, yeah. you've got your point guard, yes, but you yeah. have a couple others who can make decisions too. So mm-hmm. um, he fits that mold. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Ryan Nemhard? Obviously, the, you know, he's had a really good preseason. I don't think I've heard a bad review yet. And obviously it, he's looked good when we've seen him. Um, so when you look at the five for nine, eight assists, four turnovers in 27 minutes, um, Attacking in transition, getting, trying to get Creighton into, you know, advantageous, advantageous situations for either just right away in transition or the secondary break off of it. Um, how would you grade out his his first uh, his first public performance? Right. Uh, well, he's so fast with the ball. Right. That's, that's that stands out immediately. He caught him. It? He caught uh, for Iowa a number of times, just like. Like he said, he was you know they they were going under screens. I think there were the ice and ball screens at times against yeah. him, and he still was getting downhill on them. Mm-hmm. He just said he would recognize the lane and attacked it. But so that I mean, he's fast, but I don't even know like they they timed all those guys, you know, what their sprint time is or whatever they releasing a pro day. I don't think he was the fastest guy on the team, mm-hmm. but with the ball, that dude moves real <laughs> yeah. yeah he gets downhill fast so that's that's the answer and, and it's kind of like we were talking about with Trey I mean he doesn't seem to be too sped up there was one time when he left his feet drove inside left his feet and I think committed a turnover mm-hmm. uh, maybe got into the air 
make, looking to make a pass that got taken away. Yeah, that was, his, kinda, that was his first or second. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So yeah. he'll probably, I would imagine, st- steady all his turnovers and mm-hmm. try to figure out what he can do better there. And he said that, you know, I think he took it as a sign of, um, like a competitor would, like, okay, they're going under screens. Well, i got to prove now that I can hit jump shots. So yeah. I think that'll be part of his game that he wants to show too. But um, – Making something out of nothing. I feel like that's what he does. He did a lot of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think the reason he was successful at it is because he's really unusually quick at getting from, like, dribble to shot when he's driving. Because he gets that ball up there where it's really hard. As soon as he find it, finds an angle yeah. to the rim. Yeah. Yeah. He's he, And he finished, I think he was five of six on that. Yeah, on that, one of them on got that blocked. Just didn't, he get, like, didn't he get blocked on one? From I, th- I don't know if he got blocked or if he hit the bottom of the basket. Okay. One, it, it did get. Yeah, either way, it didn't get to the rim. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was a very effective play for him because he, he, I thought that's how he got going. And then he had uh, that early rim, in the game. Did, did he, didn't he hit it? Hit a euro step in transition. I think he did. Yeah, yeah. All the first na- nasty euro, euro in transition. <laughs> and, and he had the one, the hand one that both you and I thought. Oh, he had on the continuation for sure. The, the, where he was driving, got the knocked rest, off. The rest took a, two of its buckets away because yeah. he had another one where there was a foul on the floor, quote unquote, on the floor before his that took away an easy path to the rim. Like mm-hmm. it's like man, you could have let that go, let him have the two points right. instead of taking it out of bounds. But yeah, that so it was ten and it could have been fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, he probably should have had at least two more buckets. Especially mm-hmm. that 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 and one continuation. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty obvious in the continuation, yeah, for sure. No, he's impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean there's no question that like you said, they're really excited about what he can do and like as in terms of the sort of uh, that that moniker, being a winner, like I feel like yeah. he has that perhaps more than anyone. It's early, <coughs> you know, we're still getting to know these guys, but it seems like he kind of has that competitive fire in him, um, perhaps more so than any of the other freshmen, any of his classmates at this point. So, mm. You know what, it'll be interesting to see when we get to evaluate what Creighton does or how they react to a situation um, let's say like Upper Iowa does what they did in the first half, but like to start the second half, where it's just like they're just punching. We're, yeah. They're they're landing all the counter punches out of the locker room, so it looks like they've made the right adjustments. Like, how does Creighton study itself? That'll be the first thing. It'll be interesting to see when the, excuse me when that happens for the first time because like you know Upper Iowa got to a really good start and did what they you know they looked comfortable, but once Creighton knocked them out of that. You know, it was it really wasn't close anymore. Yeah. You know, it was twenty three to two to end the first half. After that, and Creighton scored the first nine points of the second half. Um, it did. It was. Well, it was. Yeah. It was. So that's a. I mean, you outscored them by thirty in basically twelve minutes or so. Yeah, that's less, that's no, less than that's a wrap. Less than that, man. Was it ten? The first like two minutes of the half, it was nine nothing run. Yeah, so, so that's what ten and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's thirty two to two. Yeah, that's a wrap. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. like. Creighton didn't have to sweat in the moments where you not, where you would naturally feel pressure anyway. So it'll be interesting to see how this team, what, what that ability you're talking about, that like that just innate competitiveness, yeah, what that produces in moment in a moment where it's kind of required of them, you know, when the pressure's on and you got to make a play on either end of the floor. Right. Um, I think it's a pretty good pro and work in progress list, right, for the first day. 
for the preseason. Let's get to let's yeah, see what we I'm got. Sure, I'm sure the coaches would have a lot more for it. So yeah, there's no doubt about that. Let's get to the questions. I think we had a few of them. Um, oh, the other one that I wanted to mention, too, just in the work in progress is shooting. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Because I'm just I'm, I'm curious how this team's going to shoot the ball. Like, I think that... Oh, okay. So just in general? Yeah, just... just uh, McDermott has talked a little bit about with this team to like sh- finding the right shots to shoot, especially from the perimeter. Yeah. And he kind of mentioned it tonight a little bit with Upper Iowa sort of having vets and guys that have practiced playing at... It's a different level in terms of the pace of the game that mm-hmm. you're playing at in, in college than you are in high school. And you don't really realize that until you get here. And then you, then you realize, okay, that's how fast <laughs> the game goes. Yeah. These are the type of shots that I'm going to get off, going to be forced to get off. Like, I got to go practice these. And so then you take your experience in games of knowing, okay, these are, I'm not going to get these types of shots. I have to work on the other types. And you need reps to do it. And so, you know, it was a really good point you brought up in the press conference that, that kind of like plays into that a little bit was. Um, when Upper Iowa was hot to start, Creighton didn't try to, you know, get into a firefight with them. I thought that was a really good observation because Creighton, when Creighton started hitting threes, I mean, they hadn't even shot that many. They, they were like 0 for 2 at that point. Yeah. And Upper Iowa had already hit 4. Like that, you know. Yeah, I remember. I remember like usually, you, you, what we're used to right now is uh, Marcus or Ty running down and pulling up in transition just to try to, like, bang one back. You know what I mean? Um we didn't see that. We, we it came more organically with Alex and Ryan getting going within the flow of what they were doing, right? So that I thought that was a really good observation on your part. What we saw in the second half, though, is well, they, they they did try to get into a firefight a little bit, and they started forcing some threes, yeah. and they didn't really get anything. It didn't look good when they did that. So I think that's a point, a good point to watch going forward, is what happens when they get into that. Like, I don't really want to attack downhill right now. I'm just going to kind of settle for this shot. Um, does that get them beat? You know what I mean? Or does that get them into – it doesn't get them into a rut that they can't climb out of against a better opponent, right? right? You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's a interesting observation to take away from and throw it into the work-in-progress category because there were some questionable shots that also looked very ugly once they got to the rim. Like, they were like, <laughs> that's yeah, true. that's a bad shot, and it didn't even look good. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Although surprisingly, Rati and Johnny Cashvili's uh, turnaround good, good first attempt on that one. That's a good try. <laughs> turnaround three point try at the end of the shot clock in the second half. Yeah, almost went in. Yeah, you got you got rim on that. Yeah, I, think I thought Roddy Roddy had two like Roddy plays. One was the where he had to heave it to beat the shot clock. Almost goes in. Yeah, and then he I think he turned it over on the offensive rebound and then fouled on the other end of the floor. And then for pizza, he gave people pizza tonight on quite a play. He got his pocket picked, one-on-one going up the court. Picked it right back and went right down for a layup to give to put the Jays over the top for Godfather. So that's that's one of the more exciting Godfather's pizza plays I've seen that's true. in a while. Like maybe since the DePaul game in 2020 when Creighton was just throwing alley-oops to get pizza like for like 10 straight minutes or whatever. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a heck of a sequence right there. Like pickpocket, pickpocket, layup, pizza. Roddy, oh, pizza. Roddy probably has... The, like the roller coaster, it may be a little yeah. bit more I higher. Like the lower. gap between the ceiling and the floor is, is, is higher yeah, and lower. Right. But they all have it. You know, like yeah. all the freshmen have it. And so. And you talk about someone who's fast with the ball. Yeah, he can move. Yeah, he can move. Very fast with the ball. Yeah. There was one where he got that first turnover he had in the first half. Uh, 
where he just kind of kept the dribble alive, spun out of spun away from the sideline and drove out down into the to the rim to get fouled for. Oh yeah, that was nice. That was a really nice play. Yeah. The, the crowd, like, the you crowd. You can just was tell like, he's just naturally free and flowing with the ball in his yeah. hands, like because none of that seemed like he he. None of that seemed like he didn't know what he was doing at that point. He's like, I'm just going to keep doing some shit. I'm pretty sure it was one on two. Yes, it was. Yeah, Yeah. he split the trap on the sideline, which is a big no no. Yeah, (laughs) with the that's like something only Steph Curry gets away with. (laughs) Like you don't split the trap on a sideline with a dribble, and he's like, I'm just going to spin out of this and go to the rim. (laughs) If it works, it works, and it did. Uh, Yeah, he got freezers out of it. Um, Yeah, let's get to questions. I think we got four of them, so that's a pretty good first night, right? What's this first one? This first one's from Brian. Oh, okay. Interesting. I never really thought about this before. Is the Kool-Aid man the jar or the liquid? Oh. That's a that's a tough one. I think it's the liquid, isn't it? So like the liquid in the jar? Well in what's the analogy for the liquid giving the jar? the life that it is like giving give the jar the personality like is that like I don't know kind like of feels, the, is the liquid kind of feels repre- like we're in does the liquid represent the soul I was gonna say we're, okay. we're going down the path and the of jar like, is just the vessel does, which with it's carried does the Kool-Aid man have a soul okay so well I feel what, yeah and that's so kind of what I guess the liquid if it's is. the liquid I feel like that's the soul then, right and the jar is just like yeah. the skeleton like the you know we're talking like yeah. AI territory, right? Where can we like sub? Can we transfer our consciousness into a different form? It's yeah, a tough question. And is the liquid? Are you a? Is the liquid the consciousness? Then? When you were growing up, did you have? Did you just call it red? No. Orange. I well, purple, or did you actually use my, the? My two favorite juices growing up were apple and grape. So I didn't. I wasn't big Kool Aid. Oh, you so, didn't drink Kool Aid. No. Okay. So I didn't go by color. I went by flavor or by by fruit. I was a big apple and I, grape. Juice I was a big lemonade, lemonade guy. Growing up, mm-hmm. so I was big on the lemonade, but I like the dark red Kool Aid, dark red, which Kool-Aid. is also okay. black. It's classic. It's yeah. black cherry. But is I was wondering. I was wondering if you actually, because some of my friends actually know the names of all the colors. I just was oh, like, I oh, can't give me, no, give me no. red and give me purple. Yeah, I'd probably, I would probably be closer to clear. I would probably be closer to that category. Is give me red or purple? Because so we're not big Kool Aid guys, but yeah. uh, I'm gonna go with liquid on that question. Yeah, I think I agree with you because. You can put anything in a jar, and I think so. I think the personality is what it is. What's in the what's jar? In the jar. Yeah. yeah. So I think we're on the same page. Yeah. The, the liquid is the, the liquid is the man. Yeah, like that's that. kind of like not judging the book by its cover, right? The the jar is the cover. A little like bit. The liquid is who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good maybe, question. Maybe like you're not defined by who you are this, on the outside or the form that it appears it. You're yeah. confined to exactly because if the liquid could be in another space, yeah, maybe it wouldn't be jar-like. He also he also like if something happens to the jar, whether like you know it breaks or you know gets just like dirty over time, and you got to replace it with a newer. He's still more who he you is. Know, yeah, yeah. You, you don't. You're not the not. You're not not the Kool Aid man just because you're in a different form. Right. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, Booker Wood Foxes. So that's multiple Booker Wood Foxes. Nice. Is anyone being considered for a red shirt? That's a good question, but probably too early to think about. Because, like, I don't know. I never – I don't – this question always catches me off guard, and it really shouldn't. Because <laughs> it gets asked every time. 
But I don't know who, when you have such a young team, who you're going to say, for sure, there's not a spot for you at the moment. Because I think there's so much that changes in practices with a young team that someone just emerges and they put like, you know, three or four really good days together and your evaluation of their whole body of work at that point changes for... I don't think anyone's right, Charity. You don't think so either? Yeah. I couldn't tell you if there were one. I'd be surprised. I just... And especially in this day and age, I mean, it's just hard. Like, players just don't redshirt. Remember they wanted to redshirt Christian Bishop? And he was like, I don't don't want want to do that. And he didn't really play much his freshman year, but... He did sort of come on late, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. It worked out for him. By not redshirting, he was able to play well in the NIT and it springboarded that into his his sophomore season. Right. yeah. But then again, you know, a guy like Justin Patton, it was huge that he redshirted, and he said that it was. So, but it just seems like the same age. It's it's less appealing for players, especially when they can. Uh, but maybe maybe you'll see it more now that 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 they don't have to sit out that year. I've always felt like you know, if I were a freshman coming into college, I don't want a redshirt because then potentially if I decide to leave, then I might be losing so two you, years mm, of like sitting without playing. Good call, but. Now that you can be immediately eligible on your first transfer, yeah, maybe yeah, they'll more. be more open to just not being – it felt like you were sort of shoved into Because that way if you transfer, you feel like – Your hands are tied You're, you're picking bit. a spot where you're ready to play anyway. Yeah. And you don't have to sit out. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know. It is – That's tough. a good It's way tough to, to tell people that – or tough to get young guys to buy into the idea. That I just – I just honestly – honestly, like I don't know who I would pick. Like I would say that person's not ready. I think they're I think they're all kind of ready in different ways to play. Yeah. Like I I think they do different thing, different things. I mean I think you can look at the especially, minutes breakdown. Especially if because who knows if Mason Miller hits that first three out of the corner, who knows what his night turns into? And he shot it well in practice too. Yeah. So same with Christophilus. Like, he was one for five, but if you know if two more of those go in, what is his? Do Creighton keep feeding him and he gets like fifteen instead of three? Yeah. You know, just I just feel like that's what I mean. There's so, it's so fickle between and if, 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 success and, and what we de, you know, determine as like non-impact yeah. that it's tough to do that with a really young group that has so much. Well, and two things that McDermott told us early in the preseason, one, he, he does envision playing. Yeah, a deeper bench a than deeper normal. bench, nine or ten. We'll see if that, how, if that holds. Because they've been yeah. consistently seven or eight for even with the youngest so they were, they've had. So they were eight, except for three years ago, that young team, they stretch it to nine. Yeah. At times, um, but yeah, they've mostly been eight yeah. the last like five years. Right, with McDermott, maybe seven. And even that, eight, even that eighth guy was like teetering in yeah. the high single. Digits, well, it so. depends. Sometimes some of those games, it was like more like a six or seven man bench. Exactly. <laughs> Especially like the NCAA tournament last year, what well, they went like six deep. Did they? Yeah. Didn't they? I mean, yeah, they didn't, maybe. Really, and they really didn't need to be any deeper than that. Yeah. <laughs> right. They were. That's like that's the group um, that knows what to do. Right. You're not you're not making them practice very much, so they're fresh. Right. So like, let, roll them out there. So. That's one thing that they might play more guys, so that just gives opportunity for young guys to play. Yeah. The other thing he said is like, don't be surprised if you see one guy play twenty five minutes one night and then the next night play six. Yeah. And then the next night play, you know, fifteen. Because mm-hmm. it he, what the challenge that he and his coaching staff are gonna have is like trying to figure out, okay, who is locked in tonight and ready to go, who has the hot hand. Kinda like what you said, if Mason Miller hits that first shot, maybe what? they feed him a little bit and he gets hot and he hits two in a row or three yeah. in a row. He hunts a couple more. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and, well, you'll and, find out on November ninth because, like, I'm, I'm almost guaranteeing everybody that played tonight is going to play that night. Yeah, I mean, they, I, I they had they played nine guys within the first like eight minutes of the game. Yes, so yeah, I think all nine of those guys are in. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your takeaways from the game? We just gave them to you. Good question, though. 
We should have started that question off before we started the podcast. I know. That would have been... Then it would have been... Instead a, of you It's all about the in, timing. Instead just, of you leading it in. Yeah. It just... Yeah. So that's my... It's a good question, but you just asked it too late. Or I read it too late. So... Yeah. Um, uh, Michael Mills wants to know, any word on how the women's basketball Iowa scrimmage went and who will step up to take over the scoring load from uh, Temi Sarda? You want to tap, you want to try and well, I've, the second I've always felt like the scoring like <clears throat> Timmy, good scorer, obviously. Yes, but that wasn't as big a concern to me as the easier of, to replace than the other side of it. Yeah, than yep. the defensive impact that she had, and mm-hmm. then just like the leadership and just sort of her presence on the court um, was really impactful. She was kind of like, I mean, <laughs> she led the way in so many different aspects yep. than just scoring. Um, I think they have a lot of options there. So, I mean, from a two-guard perspective, like who steps in, what, that's – it. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's probably, at least for now, Lauren Jensen. Right. The transfer from Iowa. But, you know, Rachel Saunders is going to be in that mix when she's healthy. Yeah, I would is say – Is she going to play the two, you think? I would say it's twofold. Like, I think defensively, it's Rachel Saunders when she's healthy. Offensively – I agree. I think it's very good that you said it's. It can be replaced in different ways. Yeah, like maybe it's not from think, that spot, but yeah, like right. you expect Emma Rons like Morgan Molly, um, Carly Bachelor, Carly Bachelor to take a jump. And if Tatum Rembell's healthy, exactly. Like the offense, the, 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 yeah, the scoring kind of like just you're just going to get more production offensively from different players, and it's all going to add up to yeah. what she gave you. Defensively is where the question comes from. Um, as far as how the scrimmage went today, really well. Like, the coaches were, I mean, I think they were, like, pleasantly, maybe pleasantly surprised then that they, that it was as competitive as it was, given how much experience comes back from Iowa, led by, you know, first-team All-American, Caitlin Clark. Um, it was a tight game the whole way. The Jays were up two at half. They lost by five. It was, a, I think Iowa had a, a run in the third quarter that, that get, get put them in control. Um, that changed it, so maybe that's something they isolate in terms of what went wrong in that situation. But they're coming out of this feeling really good. Yeah, that's all, really all I can kind of get into because there's that you know they have an agreement with Iowa about details um, of what to release. But it was eighty-three to seventy-eight. It was a close game all the way. The Jays were up two at the half. Um, they they were competitive in the paint. Uh, they shot the ball well from three that's kind of what we can tell you at the moment but the one they're encouraged coming out of this for sure the one thing i like about the younger players on creighton's team is they are not scared no those those players are like they step they've stepped up in some big moments taking big shots yeah yeah and so that's from far away in some some of their cases (laughs) morgan's case yeah yeah uh they, they, some of their better games were against their best the best opponents that they played for sure uconn aside and they played a really i mean i don't know like i I sometimes sound like a crazy person when I say this, because I, I haven't said it that much publicly, because it, it sounds a little insane. But to me, based on how chaotic last year was, they were not that far away from being a bubble team. I know they were under 500, and everybody's probably laughing at that what I just said. But they played such a hard schedule because of how unbalanced it was. In the Think about yeah. it. They played, all the, they played UConn twice, Marquette twice, um, DePaul twice. They had all of the bottom feeder teams on the road. Mm. The Providence was the only exception that they got at home. Um, and they had close games with Drake, Northern Iowa. Um, they were close with South Dakota State on the road until a late fourth quarter run um, 
put some cushion there. And how like, many of those games were they without Tatum? Because Tatum was out. Yeah, well, they, they, were out, was they, out they were out Tatum lot. for the early ones, all the yeah. first three, I believe. Yep. They were without Rachel from U and Rachel and Carly Basher from UConn on. Um, I think they had Emma Ronsick out for maybe a couple. Peyton Brodsky, I think, missed um, some. So like the, there was the there was a really it was not a very it was a very clunky season in terms of player availability, um, team availability because they had a long pause in there. Um, but the schedule they played was extremely tough. It was a top thirty schedule. It was by far the toughest in the Big East. Um, and the, the, the quality of wins they had, had they flipped like two of the results, like Northern Iowa Drake or Northern Iowa South Dakota State in the non-con, like I swear they're, they're a bubble team. Based on the resumes of the teams that were on the bubble, that the committee said was the last four, I'm like, well, Creighton's one or two results from being in that spot. They're Despite fun. the under they're gonna be fun. They're going to be fun to watch you yeah. know, if they stay healthy. And the Morgan... Molly um, and Maronsic combination at the four and the five. Mm-hmm. Like if you haven't seen those guys play, you got to go check them out because Seriously. they're super versatile and they they I don't know they just play a fun style. Those those two yeah. So they're gonna play like a like there's an opportunity for them to play some like some run some pro style stuff for yeah. those players because they're so versatile. Yeah. Like they can score with their basket the back to the baskets inside. Um, they can face up and go to the rim. They can face up and shoot the mid-range. They can step out from well beyond the three-point line and knock shots down. Um, they can expose different matchups. That's a It's a really cool situation Creighton has because you don't really usually see such depth at, like, hybrid spots. You usually have, like, one hybrid. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And you just ride them yeah. to death, right? <clears throat> this team is built a little differently. So, yeah, their first exhibition game is... Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, night. Wednesday, Wednesday night. night, yeah, yeah. Wayne State, they'll play them right before uh, men's soccer plays Providence in their regular season finale with a Big East tournament spot on the line. So it's a it's a four way tie. It's insane. for fourth place right now. The standings are crazy. Yeah, in, in the in Big, Big East men's soccer. So yeah. the men's only team, three teams in the Big East are eliminated from postseason play <laughs> right now. Like that's it. That's everybody else is. Yeah. Fighting for a spot, or or have a, or is clinched one. Well, I mean, so, kudos yeah. to the Jays because Owen starting zero four in league play. Yeah, it's like you don't have much margin for error. Are you yeah. surprised though? It felt like they were playing good soccer. No, I just... felt like they yeah and they they had like the tougher games at the start. Yeah, but when you start once you start zero four, it's like like I said, you, yeah, you can't really. I mean, you better be on it. Mm-hmm. You can't really afford to have a bad night, and so they've done what they needed to do. But it's still, you know. Yeah. <laughs> not, well, they, they put themselves against yeah. the wall and said, okay, let's start fighting. Yeah. Like, you know, let's fight tooth and nail. It's not like they, they put were, themselves in the spot where, I mean. They, they, they weren't far off when you no. obviously they, they beat Indiana. I think they, they, might, I think they might be an SBA tournament team right now, like regardless yeah. of what happens. I mean, the RPI was 37 going into the weekend. Right. And yeah. so That's a quality uh, win they got on the road. Probably get, I think it puts them at 500 at worst if they lose to Providence. They probably got to get in the tournament, though, the conference tournament. So that's what you think they think. I mean, usually that's the key Sort okay. of piece, like, but then, you know, so the biggest is the third best league. Creighton would be have a five hundred record against. You know, they'd have quality wins at home and away from home. It would, but it wouldn't be. A, it, in your opinion, it's not enough unless they. I don't know. Well, I'm shot. Wait, these are takes, man. <laughs> you got to put them out there. <laughs> you can't just you can't just walk around live saying I don't know. People are looking to you. It's men's soccer. You got that that credential is like a badge of honor. It's like a responsibility. All it's right. like Thor's hammer. Like well, remember when remember when Odin took it away? So you got to re-earn that shit. Yeah, that's yeah. what you're carrying around right now. I got the hammer. People look at you like a superhero. You got to give takes. All right. 
Well, what I, then what I will say is that mm-hmm. they need to make the Big East tournament. Okay. That's <laughs> got, um, make, so beat Providence, make the Big East tournament. They may not even have to beat them. Yeah, I know. It's going to be weird. But, again, it's a four-way tie, so. Yeah, you might as well just get the dub, keep your momentum rolling, right? Okay, so, yeah, it's going to be a busy week, though. We got a lot of home matches. So we got um, women's basketball exhibition at DJ Soulcoat Arena at 5 on Wednesday. Men's soccer at 7 against Providence that same night at Morrison Stadium. Volleyball's at home. Who are they playing? Xavier and Butler? Rob? Xavier Butler? I think it's Xavier Butler. Rob's in the background. Is Rob Rob even here? Yeah, he's here. He's right behind us. And the men's team. Yep, yep. So, uh, yeah. Volleyball, Xavier Butler on Friday and Sunday at 6.30 and 1 o'clock at DJ Soko Arena. (laughs) And meanwhile. And then the men's team. Opens their season on November 9th yeah. against Arkansas Pine Bluff. They're going to spend the week reviewing in detail this game. I think McDermott said he's going to watch every minute. Oh, I thought you said you were going to do that on the oh, day. Oh, I'm not. No. McDermott said, <laughs> You're like, no, I'm not no, probably not going to watch this one. Maybe not. McDermott said that he's going to watch every minute um, of this game okay. that each guy played with each guy. So okay, well, when you break it down like that, it's probably more of a fun adventure. Yeah, yeah. Nimhart so, played twenty seven minutes, so McDermott's going to watch it one on one with him all twenty seven. And he said he wants to, he wants them to figure out or to just get on the same page. He wants them to know how he thinks, and he wants to know how they think. And mm-hmm. so, um, I think that was the approach they used after the secret scrimmage against Missouri. And so, just trying to maximize their learning opportunities before yeah. the season starts. Because once the season begins, you're not going to have time to do that. No, it's like going to be a lot of game plans, a yeah. lot of execution. After a game ends, you'll try to soak it in and learn the lessons, but then you've got to turn turn around and play, prepare for the next opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, so use this. And it's a tougher schedule than people think it is. I know people think it's like a it's a, it's a non-com where Creighton can rack up dubs, but like, it, well, with how inexper- inexperienced they are, there's a lot of like there's a lot of challenges in this toss-up game. Yes, it's but it's certainly one that Creighton can navigate and find itself nine and two. Mm-hmm. But it could also be seven and six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, or I don't, that doesn't add up. Doesn't. I don't know why you. Yeah, they, you, they could end up six and five. Okay. It's eleven game yeah, non-con, that's, that's, right? Yeah, you did that right. Yeah. Second time. Yeah. So six and five, mm-hmm. or okay. nine and two, because, yeah. The oh, is it Will Smith time already? What inning is it? Yeah. They bring him in in the eighth? No, it's ninth inning already, man. Oh, is it ninth? We've been, we've been talking for a while. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's a solid hour. We killed an hour. Okay, cool. Yeah. I didn't think Still 3-2. We I, I didn't think we were going to talk about Upper Iowa for an hour tonight. But I guess we mixed it in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we, we diverted. For sure. We got to talk about Kool-Aid a little bit. Um, yeah, uh, so. Women's basketball, men's soccer. Yeah, well, we appreciate your questions. We appreciate you listening. Um, we've laid out the home slate for you guys this upcoming week. It's gonna be pretty busy, but we hope you tune in. What was your What was your like? Oh, you question. What's the one moment of this game that if you had to, if you if you were talking to your buddy that you would like bring up? Like if if someone came up to you and said, "Hey, give me a moment." What, what It's funny you mentioned that because I got into an argument with Jacob Bedelli in the game about Keyshawn hitting a three. Is that it? So that might be it because I did that already. You already did it. <laughs> yeah, it got brought. Like I, what I say I, when he hit it, I said, "If you're surprised, you're probably surprised he hit that based on the his numbers from Mississippi State to McNeese State." Yeah. But I, my caveat was, you shouldn't be surprised if you've read the practice reports because he has been hitting them in practice. So like, and then Jacob responded in, in, in private. So like, 
I've already had that argument. So I guess the key, the Keyshawn three was the was is the answer there because I've already done it. Was Although nice. I didn't bring it up, so it's like maybe that's not the one. I don't yeah. know. The one thing that I most that I that again I'm a defensive mark. So Trey Alexander's um, on ball defense disrupting Therese Williams yeah. stands out to me because I think the reason I I look for that is because it's hard to find a guy. Excuse me. Who can do that consistently? And once you have one, that's a crazy weapon to have. Because every team that is successful in the Big East of recent times has had just a go-to, like get us a bucket when we need one bad. That changes the 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 feel of what this game is like right now. And when you got someone who can shut that off, that's just yeah demoralizing. Because if you can take someone's dude away. They don't, they're, you know, when they're working with plan B, plan C and on down, they're not comfortable. And I think when you've seen, like, what Kyrie Thomas and uh, Tyshawn Alexander were able to do, the best scorers in the league, like, that that puts, uh, creating in a, in a crazy advantageous situation. Because they've got scorers all over the damn map. So even if you shut one of their dudes off, they feel like they can just play through other people. Right. So if Creighton has a guy who can be a stopper, I always like looking for who that's going to be. Um, and I know I'm I know I've, I've gone way too far in terms of like putting that on Trey already, but yeah. it's the first it's the first sample we've seen of it. So I'm, I'm I am going to go back and watch this because I want to see like how much of it was him being in the right spots um, and being sound defensively versus Williams just kind of missing shots over him. Yeah, um, I'm curious to see that as I watch it back, but that's. That's probably the, if I were to bring that up, that's what I would look for. Because my I think that's a dime a dozen. I don't think you find those guys a lot. My, I've had a couple moments, but that one's kind of tied to it is when McDermott called that timeout. Yeah, the game and changed, right? Yeah. I mean, so the the shot went up in transition. It was it was actually one of like kind of a similar Creighton type play. I think it came after a made basket. Okay. And the ball got kicked ahead and shooters open. Buries a three right in front of Creighton's bench, and McDermott calls a timeout, and he's just standing there glaring. And you knew what was going to be said <laughs> was not going to be yeah, subtle. Yeah. yeah, and then Creighton responded after that, mm-hmm. so I thought that was interesting. Um, I mean, the game changed after that point. Yeah, thirty-two to two happened right after that, and it took ten. You know, it took it, took, it bled into the second half, right. but it was it was the changing point of the game. But my favorite moment of the game was probably that time when the uh, upper Iowa player decided to double dribble instead of getting uh, his stuff blocked. Because <laughs> it's shrewd. Like if you, if it's the only what you said. He went up. He, yeah, it's savvy. Because that's what I would have yeah. done. I'm like, well, Keyshawn Fizel is standing over me, and he's about to like obliterate my layup try. So I'll yeah. just like drop the ball on the ground and see if I can get away with it. Right. He didn't get away with it. Because the only way you're scoring in that point is if you're you, not a highlight. If you can get away with. That double dribble. Yeah, yeah. But otherwise, it's you're either, otherwise you're either a Creighton highlight, high, yeah. Creighton highlight, or a turnover. So yeah. I was like, eh, you know, game's already kind of out of hand. Mm-hmm. Let's just take the turnover. I thought it was a good move. Yeah. So in the in the in the spirit of Keyshawn, like the dude's head was even with Keyshawn's chest. Mm-hmm. He was going to destroy it. Yes. Whatever. He was going to eat that ball yeah. if he if he had tried to shoot <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So in the spirit of that chaos of like making a. Uh, an unconventional decision in, in in chaos. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna call my favorite play was Roddy Andro, Andro Nikashvili, um giving people Godfathers by getting his pocket picked against like a small little pesky pesky defender, and then immediately ripping it right back 
and somehow creating such an like the the play happened so he was in front of he was bringing the ball up so he's the last guy up the court yeah. somehow in the scrum of him getting his pocket picked everybody ran down the other side of the floor so when he stole it back he was ahead of the break <laughs> yeah so it just like it was weird because it was like he got it, he got it stolen from him then like a massive human chaos happened and then all of a sudden he's sprinting out of it with the ball looking back at like see if anyone's behind him right. goes in for the layup and then oh by the way that's for godfather's pizza it's like perfect that yeah. was a great highlight of the night so that's my, that'll be mine it was, it was a fun little adventure so aren't the Columbo was plus 21 I know right that's yeah. plus minus is always kind of weird it does there's always something about plus he minus he did rebound ball well though yeah he did he's one of those like just go up and get it kind of guys He's gonna have moments like that where he just for sure. There were Alex O'Connor was the only one who got any crazy dunks off tonight, though. I think there's gonna be more. Well, Fizo got a nice putback dunk. Oh, that's that offensive rebound. Yeah, that yeah, was where nice. Arthur tipped it and then yeah, yeah, that was Fizo that was that. impressive. But yeah, O'Connor. Oh, we've seen Keyshawn rock the rim a few times in oh practice. Oh that media day practice where he, I thought he was gonna the whole freaking roof down when he. Yeah, I mean he, uh, uh, he like soared. Yes. Yeah, I feel it like was, he launched himself outside the paint. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It, it looked like he was jumping. Like it was like reach. you jumped from way too far out. And then Those are always the nice ones, though, when you have to like reach back for it a little bit, mm-hmm. almost back behind your head. It was a lob. So mm-hmm. he catches it kind of behind his head, and then he just like – the momentum takes him to the rim and yeah. that basket. I'll tell you what, though. Those rims are bolted on there good because he was like he, – he had that thing at almost a 90-degree angle. When he was when he was hanging on that thing, I was like, "That's coming down or something is like someone better check the foundation because either the ceiling's got a huge dent in it right now or yeah, something something got broke there." Um, Yeah, that's it. Okay, let's let's. uh, So yeah, Yeah. whiteandbluereview.com. We'll have recap of this game, volleyball, soccer. We'll have you know it's gonna be a busy week, but also uh, Omaha.com for John's work. or buy a newspaper. What's the subscriptions going on right now? Well, I would just say what I'd like to plug is just our newsletter. Oh, yeah, the newsletter's back. Yeah. yeah. Um, you had some good stuff in that already. Omaha.com slash newsletters. Okay. Just type that in your browser. You click the little box in there. You're gonna rec- you'll enter your email, and you'll receive the newsletter um, in your inbo- inbox once a week. So. What do you – what like, if, if – what's the direction of the newsletter this year for you with a, with a group that this – where there's so much, like – there's so much you have in terms of, like – how to write about this team this year because there's not as much of like the goal is out there for an experienced group to chase down they know what they're after right like what's your approach well, to this I, year? my hope is just to give you as much sort of extra maybe the details the 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 stories beyond the you know just kind of, it's a lot honestly what i envision it mm-hmm. is similar to this podcast just in written form okay. I mean, we kind of dive into stuff that maybe is a little bit uh, you know, we flow off a little bit from the main track of what the game was about and yeah. um, what the story of the game was. But because we have this little newsletter option uh, that we've created exclusively for Creighton fans, it gives me sort of the ability as a writer to kind of do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I'll try to, you know, grab a tangent that I think is interesting and, you know, f- flow off that a little bit and hopefully provide some good in, good insight so yeah. that's usually what as I, a, I mean as a reader it's been really good because I, I it's impressive to watch how you like find ways to um you know like stick to what's what needs to be told in terms of what goes in the paper and what goes on the website yeah and then also find ways to 
branch off of that with a newsletter. Yeah. Like, I, I'm impressed with the way you do that creatively. So, yeah, check out. I'm, get subscribed I'm, a, to that I'm newsletter a basketball and, nerd. He is. And so, he is. like, if, you, if you're a fan of this team and you want to know, know more, like, get the newsletter because that's – it's literally sort of my nerd out yeah. outlet. In a you, way, have a lot, like, you have a lot of creative flexibility to do. Yeah, yeah I can do whatever I want. Yes. Yeah. So. so check out the newsletter for yeah. sure. Um, but it's going to be a busy week, so make sure you're tuned into that. Make sure you're subscribed to John's work. John, always appreciate you hopping on. Um, it's yeah. good to finally do this in person. It's the first time yeah. we've done this in person since March 7th, 2020. Um, so that was fun to cross that off the list. Wow. Are you trying to make sure you remember what that date was? No, I know. That was when they won this. I thing. understand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We've done it on Zoom. We haven't done it in person since then. I was just kind of processing it. It's been a while. Yeah, wow, it has been a while, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I appreciate you. It's been a um, And I appreciate everybody tuning in. For John, I'm Matt. We will talk to you November. Well, we want, we'll, we'll decide. We'll, it's going to be like game by game. Right. I messed that up, though. For, for John, I'm Matt. Thank you for tuning in. Let's talk to you when we talk to you.